I'd like to invite everyone to uh, turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 19, and uh, we will be reading 7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be clothed or dressed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of, of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now our brother Dean will bring us this morning's message. When God knelt before sinners. Good morning. The remarks this morning are based on John 13 and the last chapters of Revelation and Hebrews 11. It was getting dark in the room that night. The only light that was there was from the flickering lights from the wicks of the oil in those clay jars on the table. If you would have been there, as your eyes became accustomed to the dark, you'd have seen 12 men and one God. The God they knew who had walked with them the last three years and called them to the final meeting with them, they were certainly feeling anxious and had some foreboding, for this was Passover week, and something about his actions made them ill at ease. They watched in amazement as God stood up, went over to the corner of the room, and put a towel around his waist, and took a basin of water. This was happening about 14 hours before the God they knew would be dragged through that old road through Jerusalem, Via Della Rosa, and outside Jerusalem to Golgotha's Hill. Judas, Judas was there. God knelt before Judas and began to wash his feet. In that society, only servants washed feet. Oh, how God wanted Jesus to finally give in to the Holy Spirit and surrender his mind and heart to him. For you see, Jesus knew many things about Judas that Judas did not know he knew. He knew that Judas had already been to the chief priests and the Pharisees and had arranged for the betrayal of Jesus for a mere 30 pieces of silver. The price had already been set and paid to Judas. And Jesus knew that. Yet, he knelt before Judas and washed his feet of his betrayer. As he was washing, he longed for Judas to change course. He hungered for Judas' salvation. Jesus knew that if he did not change course, Judas would not be written in the Lamb's book of life. And he would come up in the wrong resurrection at the end of the thousand years, and he would be lost forever. He tenderly dried his feet and put them down. Jesus knew something else about Judas that night that Judas didn't know. Judas would later hang himself and fall to his death over a cliff for his eternal loss. Judas' feet were clean, but his heart was still dirty. Judas then suddenly got up and left the room as the oil lamps flickered. Judas pointed 
to the door and joined Satan, God's archenemy, and he had chosen eternal death. James? James was the brother of John. He may have been next. You remember that those boys were very young when they first met this God, walking along Lake Galilee. They had an explosive disorder, they did. They had wild tempers, and they were known as the sons of thunder, according to Scripture. The mother of James and John had once asked Jesus if her boys could have a place of honor, sitting one on the right side of Jesus in the new kingdom and one on the left side. Within 14 hours from this night, God would hang on a cross, and there would be one man on the left and one man on the right, and they would also be hanging on a cross. That mother was likely in the crowd that day at Calvary. She must have shuddered as she remembered the words of her request. God knelt before James and tenderly began to wash his feet, giving his followers a symbol of how they are to act and how, are they, and how they are to treat one another on our pathway to the kingdom. God knew something about James that James did not know about himself. He knew that not many months hence, he would be the second disciple to die a terrible death as he was a member of that early struggling Christian church. This God knew that James' name would be forever inscribed on the foundation stone of the New Jerusalem. His name would be in the Lamb's Book of Life. A few years later, James' brother John would pen the following words in Revelation 21, 14. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Yes, James would follow his Lord to death, but he was secure for eternity. Nathaniel? Well, Nathaniel was someone special. By now the disciples were awestruck. What was happening here? Only servants were to wash feet and not the master. Earlier when Philip had brought Nathanael to Jesus, he had said some amazing words about Nathanael. Behold a man in who I find no guile. John 1.47 There is no place else in scripture where those words were spoken of any other person. Jesus tenderly washed the feet of his disciple. As he dried them, Nathanael had no idea that his name would be on the foundation stone of the New Jerusalem and that his name was also in the Lamb's Book of Life. It will seem as only a moment when Nathanael hears a trumpet sound in the heavens and he wakens with a start and looks up to see this same Jesus that had been washing his feet that night. When Jesus comes down from space with clouds of millions of angels and calling him home to glory. Oh, what a day. Andrew? We next come to Andrew. God knelt before Andrew. He is unique in Scripture. Each time Andrew is mentioned in Scripture, he is bringing someone to Jesus. Would that be said about us? Oh, that it could be said of each one of us. Andrew brought his brother Peter. Andrew brought the little boy with the five loaves and the fishes so that Jesus could feed the thousands on the hillside that day. Then we 
come to the story of the Greeks who had traveled many hundreds of miles with a request, a simple request. We, we would see Jesus. And Andrew was the one who brought them to Jesus. God washed those feet so tenderly because he knew that not many years in the future this disciple would be nailed to a cross and would die for the Lord. But you see, there is something so much more important than our earthly life. There is a heaven to win and a hell to shun. We win heaven by falling on our knees and crying out, God be merciful to me a sinner. Andrew's name is in the Lamb's Book of Life and his name is inscribed on the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem. Simon Peter? Simon Peter, the big fisherman, is next. He was bombastic, always talking, always knew the answer. Peter had, a, had had enough this night. He blurted out, You will never wash my feet. Peter could not imagine God washing his feet, but God softly said, Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Oh, then that went right to Peter's heart. Then, Lord, just wash me all over my head, my hands, all of me, Lord. Jesus gently told him, you have need only to have me wash your feet, Peter, and you are clean all over. Peter loved Jesus, and when he had told him that night that he would die for him, he met every word of it. But later that night, Peter became confused, and he was tormented in his thinking. He had trouble sorting things out. Peter denied his God, who was now washing his feet, not only once, but he denied him three times. But Peter, with tears and agony of heart, was forgiven by his Lord. As God tenderly washed his feet and dried them, God knew something about Peter that he did not know about himself. God knew that these feet would be nailed to a cross and that Peter would request that he be nailed upside down so as to honor his Lord. Yes, Peter's name is on the foundation stone of the new Jerusalem. Some 2,000 years after Peter lived, a songwriter wrote a song and it was put to music. I want to tell you that my uncle was an evangelist Everett Duncan. He had a tumultuous life. He started out as an evangelist, preaching all over the Northwest, bringing people to Christ. Midway through his life, his wife decided to um, go another direction and went off with another man. And this destroyed his equanimity for a while. He later at the end of his life, became an evangelist for the Faith for Today television ministries. And that's where he ended up. The, um, when he died, I was unable to attend his funeral in Southern California. However, I sent a letter down and I enclosed the words of this song. It certainly fits Peter. It fit my Uncle Everett. And to some extent, it fits me. When I started my journey with childlike trust, I believed that the Lord's way was best. I would read in his word how he mothered the bird and grieved when it fell from its nest. How I felt his delight when I chose to do right 
and prayed I would not make him sad. Indeed, on the way in the cool of the day, what sweet communion we had. The road I have traveled has sometimes been steep in the wild, jagged places of life. Sometimes I've stumbled and fallen so hard, and sharp stones cut my soul like a knife. But the staff of my shepherd has reached out for me, and it has taken me to cool pastures green. The oil of the Spirit anointed my wounds, and I dressed by the cool healing streams. But now more than ever I cherish the cross, more than ever I sit at his feet. Oh, the miles of my journey have proved my Lord true, and he is so precious to me. In love's old sweet story, too good to be true, do you find all this hard to believe? Has the cruel world we lived in so battered your heart that the hurt child inside you cannot believe? I would say I can't blame you. I've been where you are. All I can say is it's true. You are wanted. You are precious. The love of his heart and that old rugged cross was for you. But now, more than ever, I cherish the cross. More than ever, I sit at his feet. Oh, the miles of my journey have proved my Lord true, and he is so precious to me. Matthew, we come to Matthew. God knelt before that hated tax collector, now Jesus' disciple. He was a changed man. More money had passed through his hands than all the other disciples combined. He had collected taxes for the Romans, and the books were never kept. Yes, he had a very lucrative job. He left a very lucrative job, in fact, to follow Jesus. As God took his feet and washed them, he knew something about Matthew that Matthew did not know about himself. He was to write the book in the New Testament, in fact, the first book in the New Testament, Matthew would record for all to read until the end of time the story of Jesus' birth, Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' resurrection, the Last Supper. God gently put his feet down. God knew that a crown of righteousness awaited this disciple of his and that his name would be forever inscribed in the foundation stone of the New Jerusalem. Matthew looked at Jesus' face and realized that this was the same God that had just touched a coffin a few months before of the son of the widow of Nain, and her boy immediately rose to his feet and was alive. Luke seven twelve. This is the same God who has just washed my feet, he thought. Simon the Zealot? Next we come to Simon the Zealot. God knelt before this hot-headed man. A very strange choice Jesus made to be called, calling Simon as one of his disciples. We can only imagine the tension that might have generated in the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. Simon dreamed of being able to come upon a Roman soldier in the mid of night behind him and put a knife in his back. The Zealots had one goal in life, to battle the Rome occupation in their land. Jesus had taught him there was a bigger and larger cause, and the cause was the souls of men for the kingdom of God. 
Simon had signed on to Jesus' cause with all his heart. Simon had experienced that fearful night on Lake Galilee when the disciples were sure they would go down in the storm and die. Then this same God, who was now washing his feet, simply said, Peace, be still. And the waves immediately obeyed his voice. Simon and the others were awestruck, simply saying, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves and the sea obey his voice? Matthew 8:27. Jesus knew something about Simon that even he did not know about himself. History suggests that Simon was later crucified on a cross at the end of his journey. More important is the fact that Jesus knew that Simon's name would be on a foundation stone in the New Jerusalem. His name would be inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life, and he will rise from his dusty bed and see this same God who was washing his feet that night, now coming in the clouds of heaven, surrounded by millions of angels. Thomas? Well, God knelt before Thomas now. Thomas was committed to Jesus and to his cause, but yet he had a major weakness, did Thomas, as his faith was weak, even after all he had seen and witnessed for three years, Lazarus coming to life and all the rest. He had seen many miracles. He had heard many parables of salvation. Yet when the crisis came after the resurrection, the other disciples said unto him, We have seen the Lord. John twenty twenty five. But Thomas replied, Except I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. John twenty twenty five. Later, Jesus suddenly appeared and showed Thomas his wounds. Thomas was brokenhearted and said, My Lord and my God. Thomas was unaware of this lack of faith that was to come, but Jesus gently washed his feet and put them down. Jesus also knew something else about Thomas that he did not know about himself. He knew that his name would be in the Lamb's Book of Life. He also knew that when the heavens departed as a scroll, Thomas would rise and ascend to the heavenly city where Thomas would see his name emblazoned on one of the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem. Thomas would be in the heavenly country for eternity. John Boy. John Boy is next. Jesus had been around the table. John was just a teenager when Jesus first called him from the shores of Lake Galilee. He and his brother had fiery tempers. They were known, as we've heard earlier, about the sons of thunder. That morning, John went to work like any other morning, not knowing that this stranger who was to come his way that day would change his life. He was in a boat on Lake Galilee that day near the shore, and the stranger was to call him on a journey that would take him right into the kingdom of God. The stranger said, follow me. And John started his journey that very moment. The scripture records that John was a disciple that Jesus loved. John himself said, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. However, don't misunderstand this. The real meaning of that in the original language of the Bible was that John was the disciple that Jesus kept on loving. Jesus kept on loving. 
with all his mistakes. One day John called for fire to come down from heaven, or at least asked Jesus if he could perform this miracle and burn up those Samaritans, those awful Samaritans. John thought he'd help out Jesus' cause a bit. Luke 9, 54. Jesus patiently kept on loving him. God was dealing with John and washing his feet now. John mind, John's mind may have gone back to that day when God wept when he heard that his friend Lazarus had died. John was there and saw him weeping. His friend had been dead for four days. Weeping and wailing was all around. In that society, people were hired to come to weep and wail at the time of the loss of a person. Jesus said, remove the stone from the door of the tomb. And he next said, Lazarus, come forth. John eleven forty three. Immediately, Lazarus came out of the tomb alive, and the disciples were stunned. Yet the same God was now washing his feet, giving an example of how we are to treat others, and telling us we are to do the same, symbolically, and in reality, until Jesus comes. When Jesus put his feet down, he knew that John would live to an old age, unlike the other disciples. He knew also something John did not know. He knew that John would go on to write, under inspiration, five books of the New Testament, one of which, the book of Revelation, closed the canon of Scripture. He was given the great honor of caring for Jesus' mother at the cross when Jesus died. Yes, John's name is in the Lamb's book of life. He will rise at the sound of the trumpet in the sky. He will ascend to the holy city and see his name inscribed there on the foundation stone of the new Jerusalem. I invite you to turn your attention with me to the grand and glorious day when this same God, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, comes forth down through the Orion space in the heavens, down the corridors of the heavenly pathways. He comes towards this planet, passing billions of planets on his way to this earth of ours. Those who have fortified their mind with scripture and have dealt kindly with their fellow men will be able to look up and say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. We see a throng of the redeemed ones, both those living and those arising out of the grave. The familiar words of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with those in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, we will comfort one another with these words. I see at that time Abel, who offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, Genesis 4. I see Rahab and millions like her who have been pagans but then followed God to use them for his purpose. And people like Rahab the harlot, she will be there and many like her, Joshua 2.6. I see King David and many people like him, people who were great sinners but when they were converted, they cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A multitude of these people will be there. Psalms 
Others like David who said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Psalms 119.11. I see people like Job who've come out of great tribulation to the point of death. They have said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand upon the earth in the latter day. Job 19.25. They have believed and trusted that God, they have trusted their God against all human odds. Now they are ascending to the city of God. I see Abraham and those like him, Hebrews 11.10, where he said, where it says that he looked for a city which hath foundations, who builder and maker is God. There's also a multitude of these. We see Joshua over there ascending to his heavenly home. Joshua and people like him who said during life, Choose you this day whom you will serve. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I see Isaiah, many multitudes like Isaiah, when he was confronted with the glory of God's salvation, he cried out, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King. Isaiah 6. For you see, only those who say they are unworthy of heaven will be there. They say, it is only by the grace of God that I am here. If you think you are worthy of heaven, if you think you're worthy of heaven, you won't be there. Only those who understand the words of Isaiah. Behold, I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Isaiah 49:16. I see John the Baptist and many like him from the centuries of time after Jesus' death. Those who would rather risk their life and speak the truth for God. Those who have been confronted with Jesus' salvation and said this in their heart. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29 I see the woman at the well and those like her who when she heard Jesus offering living water unto salvation ran and told all the people of her town to come quickly for she had found the Messiah and salvation from John 4. One of the greatest evangelists in all of scripture. I see Mary from Magdala and those like her, a great multitude of those, people who had been very sinful, but when learning that God forgives sin to the uttermost, fell down and worshiped God unto her own salvation. It was Mary of whom Jesus said, she hath chosen the good part. Also said of Mary, this story of Mary will be told until the end of time. Jesus also said of Mary that her story would be forever there. And today we repeat that story. I see Zacchaeus and many like him who when he was converted and confronted with Jesus paid back to those that he had defrauded and became a follower of the Messiah. I see Nicodemus and I see Joseph of Arimathea who were not afraid to ask for Jesus' body at his death, risking their own reputations and their own lives and the wrath of the Pharisees. They were unafraid because they had recognized the Lord of glory. John 19, 38 and 39. I see Dorcas and many like her who spent many hours in their whole lives helping the poor and the needy. And then I see Stephen 
rising from his dusty bed, the first martyr of the new church. And I see many others like him who've given their lives for God's truth through the centuries. We see John Knox. We see Martin Luther and many like them. We see the Waldensian people rising from their dusty graves. I see a multitude from the town of Laodicea described in Revelation 3. Those who like those five wise virgins in Christ's parable allowed their scripture truths to bathe their minds daily and then went out and shared their faith with others and treated everybody like that person was a candidate for God's kingdom. They came out of Laodicea before it was too late. They had built characters ready for the kingdom of God before probation closed. But at the same time, they realized that their salvation was all about grace, nothing about themselves. They were able to understand the words of Paul, Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 and Isaiah 64.4 Now the multitude of redeemed souls come close to the heavenly shore. There they see the bright light shining forth. There they see the disciples' names blazing forth from the foundation stones of the wall of the New Jerusalem. They look upon the face of Jesus, their Savior, who is leading this vast throng, and they actually look on his face, and they're not destroyed because they become glorified. They are glorified. Jesus invites them into his presence. We enter into the gates of the heavenly city, and we hear the angels singing the words of Psalms 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And so we enter eternity. Eternity? How do you explain eternity? You mean that eternity that's forever? And forever, and forever and ever? How do you explain that? And then we see our first glimpse of the tree of life. We see the first glimpse of the crystal sea. We see the river of life coming from the throne of God. And then we cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. And then we notice something strange. We notice some scars on his brow, in his hand, and in his feet. And then we notice that his brilliant white robe has a stain of red on it, as recorded in Revelation. We sing the redemption story with angels for the first time. And as the song fades away, Jesus says, Welcome home, children. Welcome home. You are safe with me forevermore. Amen and amen. Eternal Father, we thank you this morning. We can come here to worship you and learn of you, learn of your salvation, your grace, the great joy that can be in our hearts when we know you as a personal Savior.
Help us today, Lord, to look forward to the day that you do come, which I believe will be soon. We can look, look up and say, Lo, this is my God. I have waited for him, and he will save me and be with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.